Welcome back to another episode of Talkings. I'm your host, Bobby, a.k.a. B-Boy Kicks. With me is our other host, Crave. Today, we are super excited to have Joshua Perkins with us as our special guest. He's going to give us a brief history on hip-hop, as well as talk about himself a little bit. Just a little backstory on Josh. He's been in the scene for quite a while now, I think 20-plus years, um, and he's done a lot for a scene anywhere from hosting battles to owning a, a place where everybody can go and learn the four elements of hip-hop um without further ado i'd like to bring him on joshua why don't you go ahead and talk about yourself a little bit and then we'll get into the history of hip-hop all right uh so i'm joshua perkins or b-boy text uh and i have been Dancing in the Utah scene for like 21 years now, which is wild. So wild. You're old. I'm so old. <laughs> 40 gang, dude. Well, we, it starts. The Chew's birthday is like coming up. So it's Chew, and then what? Then you, then Tarzan, then me, I think. I think Tanner's before me. Mm-hmm. Is he before you? I think Damn. he's in July. Yeah, so we're all turning 40 this year. Um, anyway, been dancing in the Utah scene for a while, co-founded the B-Boy Federation, which is now 1520 Arts, uh, a non-profit locally where we just try to do hip-hop arts-based programs for youth and adults, throwing events and doing shows and just trying to give us all kind of something to do. So that's the, uh, that's the gist of me, trying to keep the body together for as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, I mean... He's done a lot. Like I, I can't even stress that enough. He's done a lot for our scene. He did. Uh, he did the. Uh, what do you call it? What were those battles? The, oh the yeah, all battles. the all the league battles when we first started. That was kind of fun. We actually the league was kind of a funny story because we were actually supposed to partner with another organization at the time. So when, when Pyro and I were doing events, we're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll team up with this other league and then do that. So we started telling everyone, hey, we're going to do this league and all this stuff's going to happen. And we got all these crews together and everyone was on board. And we we're like, yeah, it's going to be great for the scene. And then it, <laughs> they came back and they're like, we hadn't talked money. And they're like, yo, we need like $300 per event from you and like like 150 bucks per crew or some like some like huge amount where Whoa. it just it ended up it was going to be like four or five hundred dollars per event that we would have to give this entity just to like use their name and everything like that and so we were like no way there's no way in hell we can do this like we don't even think anyone's going to come to the event anyway you know we don't have a scene yeah. like that so we were like hey thanks no thanks and then Pyro and I were like shit we told everybody we're going to do this thing so now we have to do it so Pyro came up with the B-Boy Federation name, and then we just, like, changed the, we, like, kept the league, but we're just like, all right, we'll just fly people wherever they want to go to in the country, and then we just made it up kind of real quick and then put it together, and that's kind of how we started. Wow. Last minute. Everything else. Yeah, super last minute. I think, like, 50 people came to the first event, and then we just got really lucky. We were in the right place at the right time where we went and did a bunch of, like, like just, like, pounding pavement. We found a bunch of high school kids that were into breaking at the time and went to all their practice spots and got all the like the younger kids into it and i think the next event had like a hundred people at it and then i think by the time we got to the final event of the first season of the league we were averaging like a couple hundred people per event which is wild because even even like today like if if there was like 
250 people like at a jam today that feels like so much right, right. there was like a point in the scene what 10 years ago when like 150 people was like the average like local jam attendance right which is cool i remember like right before those uh the federation battles mm-hmm. and the leagues or whatever the scene was kind of like almost depleted in a way mm-hmm. there wasn't very much going on uh it when, sucked when jams were held <laughs> i just remember yeah, like sucked. <laughs> there was only like 50 people that would yeah show yeah up. There, i remember we always joke about it because we used to do the when AOD used to do the uprock battles, it was literally like there was maybe like thirty or forty people there, and it would be things where people would walk in, and we would just be like, "Hey, do you break?" And they'd be like, "Not really." And we're like, "Sorry, you're on the list, man." No. <laughs> anybody, anybody that anybody. looked like they, they could break or that they were close, like if you just happen to, and you can't escape because uprock was like small, so whatever we had to do to get like a top sixteen, we were just like signing people up and making them enter just so we could have like a top sixteen, and that was that was like, oh seven, oh eight. Yeah, we kind of it kind of was going that way. So, yeah, I just remember showing up to that league. I said this in our previous episode. Showed up to the, the league battle, and I'm like, "Who are all these? Kids? <laughs> yeah, right there. Who the hell are there all these are kids? so many? Yeah, kids here, and they're all good. They're not like bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was crazy when like, because um, there was like fundamentals was like, Ken V and Justin. And all them hero, and then there was unlimited motion. Was like P shy and Han and all them when they were in high school, and then Fresh Apes was like Ben and Alonzo and them yeah. a couple years later. And so yeah, there were like all these kids. That was a trip. Is like there were all these kids, and then they were good at the same time. Right. So I was like, oh damn. I was like, man, I gotta step up my game. I know, right? <laughs> The yeah, power are, game. Those yeah, are a lot, yeah, a lot of the dead. kids have they were, a bunch they were of power. so good. All had like I think Hero Hero used to have like he like hand hops and he would like drop air chair and I was like shit. Yeah. There were some dope dope B boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, so getting into uh hip hop, you do a show every year called They Rem or They right. Reminisce. Right. Can you give us a little uh Collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they reminisce is the sort of general idea behind they reminisce is it's supposed to be kind of like hip hop history and education combined with like dances and performances. And we try to keep it where it's an all local cast and we write the story. So we try to keep it as like original, I guess, of a of a concept as possible. And so the goal kind of is to tell a story. So the, the current version of They Reminisce is we're telling kind of like a story of a, of a crew um, that is like younger, sort of modern, you know, the modern era of kids who who are a dance crew that are into hip hop, hip hop dance and kind of how like maybe the studio environment <clears throat> would teach them hip hop dance, but they don't know a lot about history and mm. the culture. And so it's sort of a show about their kind of like journey through learning more about hip-hop's history and where it's come from and the different aspects of it and then how they can take that and incorporate it into what they like about sort of current day hip-hop and then um, create something new and, and go forward and so it's a it's a fun show um, and <laughs> it's a fun show that we started out of spite a lot of the things that we've done have been out of spite it's not like we sat down and we're like what can we do this really cool thing it's usually something where like we're trying to get something from someone else and they tell us no and we're like man fuck them we'll do it ourselves 
Um, that's why we did clothing. I mean, even the league was like, shit, like, we can't do what we wanted. Like, with, we can't work with them, so we'll just do our own thing. Yeah. So They Reminisce literally came out of something where it was like, we noticed that a lot of dancers, especially hip-hop dancers, b-boys, b-girls, whatever, at the time, a lot of other, like, air quote, like, professional companies would hire us to teach their, like, modern dancers how to break, but they wouldn't put us in the show. And so you get a lot of, like, oh, we love what you do. We just love everything about it. And I'm like, sick, so put me in the show. Yeah. And they'd be like, ah, if no, you want to come in and teach, just teach, really teach, yeah, yeah, teach these, you know, modern dancers how like, to do, like, these teach? shitty windmills or whatever. Yeah, windmill with pointy toes. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> just, like, garbage moves because they wanted, like, tricks for their show or they wanted some kind of thing, but they weren't going to put us in it or, or pay us to do it. And so we were, yeah, so we were kind of like, screw that, we'll do our own show. And, you know, to their credit, I mean, one of the things that we were so ignorant about it, I think the mm. first, so the first year we did REM, we did it at the Rose Wagner, and like, we were so ignorant to the process that they would ask us questions like, oh, who's running your curtain? And we're like, the hell does that mean? What do you mean running the curtain? <laughs> Did you guys provide us? Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean <laughs> run the curtain? They're like, well, someone has to open and close the curtain. And we were like, oh, no shit. Like, okay, cool. So we didn't even know that. We yeah. had like no idea. If we didn't know how hard it was going to be to do a show, we probably would have never done it. Um, wow. But, but yeah, like funny. that's the funny thing about Rem is we were like, screw it, we'll do it out of spite. Just because we want to do it, and then, and then now we're kind of stuck doing it. Okay. <laughs> so now it's Everybody like looks forward. To yeah, it yeah. Now. now it's like it's like no one's gonna come to it, and then you know now it's sometimes it's like why wasn't I in it last year? And I'm like oh, shit, I don't know. We barely it barely. Rem barely happens every single year, which is like fun insider. Like we've like I think right now we have a lighting person that we've paid for like we've locked them in and reserved them the one of the sort of running gags of rem is every year we either lose or don't have the lighting person like mm -hmm. up through the day of the show it's like tech rehearsal we have to like relight everything and, and do it all over it's pretty cool it's, 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 it's great it's a wonderful way to run like a professional show oh man i know how all that goes <laughs> we we owned you know a, yeah we owned underground and that that mm-hmm I hated lighting. I hated all that stuff. Thank God for Andrea because that's like her forte. But anyways, uh, one thing that I really like about They Rem is it gives you kind of a, a history mm -hmm. on hip-hop. And you narrate it. Vision. I think you would do a damn good job. Um, I've actually learned stuff through They Rem that I didn't even know about. Nice. So, um, you know, today's episode, I, I'd love you for you to kind of give us you know, just a brief history. There's so much that goes into right. the history of hip hop, but if you can like, you know, break it down, what your thoughts are on it, you know, yep. what's the difference between back then and now and, mm. you know, your whole outlook on it. Right. So, I mean, like my, you know, you talk about like learning things from Ram. Like I had to learn things to do Ram too, because we we're like, oh, we're, let's yeah. like include some hip hop history, and we're like, oh shit, we don't know any of it. Yeah. So it to, like we had to go learn <laughs> sure it too. It yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like every year, it's like making sure that we know a little bit more than everyone else. Uh, but it's it's always like evolving and, and changing. And so the sort of like basic basic gist of hip hop culture is you get into the late '60s, early '70s in the Bronx. Um, in New York City and you just have just like a very very um, kind of disenfranchised group of, of kids and so these neighborhoods that they're living in 
at this time you're talking like gang violence is high poverty is high um and and sort of like situations where like there's like a anecdote i think that like the bronx is like the arson capital of the world like in in the like 1970s so i think there was oh, really? there, you're talking like tens of thousands of arsons a year wow. reported in these areas yeah it's awful it's pretty rough and so you know like it's it's not like the the kid the kids have nothing to do but some of it's like not by choice it could just be because they're like schools have shut down like police departments have shut down like a lot of things it's like pretty wild stuff um so they're in this environment you know and so what they need to do is kind of make the best with what they have um and what you kind of see is like as a lot of the gang gang violence kind of tones down a little bit towards the end of the 1960s you get in the early 1970s you get um dj cool herc is <clears throat> throwing just just block party events right and so you know as a dj at that time i mean you're talking like people don't have money they don't have you know some of them don't have like utilities in their apartments and so if you have a person that's bringing like a sound system out and playing music and like that person is is extremely popular in in the neighborhoods so Herc was throwing these parties and he kind of noticed that certain people would only dance to certain parts of a record, right? And so one of the things that Herc did that was really unique is he was playing these like funk records. Um, at the time, it was like disco that was really popular and not like funk records. So he was kind of discovering the genre of music and playing the break section of a record, which is just a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a breakdown. It's kind of like it's a break from the rest of the track. It's separate from the rest of the song and it can be... 30 seconds, 10 seconds. And Herc kind of realized that a bunch of people would only get down to that part of the record. So he took two of the same record, put them on the turntables, and would try and cut back and forth between the break section of the record. And he was doing it all kind of like by ear. So he's no, he's no laptop. The mixers weren't even like the mixes we see. You know, he was like trying to look at the grooves in the record and cut and drop the needle like in the right spot. Oh, wow. It's crazy. It's wild, right? That's in crazy. like crappy, dingy, you know, apartment basements and, and places. And so he called the technique to merry-go-round and he debuts it, uh, was it August 11th, 1973? And that becomes like the birth date of hip-hop culture because Herc becomes the first kind of like hip-hop DJ mm -hmm. that is, a lot, you know, he's creating, you know, musical elements that b-boys and b-girls her creates the term b-boy b-girl and you know he's he's because of what he's doing with the music b-boys and b-girls can dance longer and do more he has a, a hype man named coke larock who is like shouting out on the mic and making announcements because the dj is doing all this stuff they can't really you know talk to the crowd right. at the same time so coke larock is like his hype man and then the sort of hype man evolution kind of like they're adding more and more to it. They're doing call and responses. They do these things. So Coke Rock kind of becomes hip hop's first MC. And so into the middle 1970s, you have, yeah, you have the DJ and the MC as like the, the dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. And after Herc does this thing, you know, it starts kind of spreading and a lot of the other DJs start picking it up. You have like Grandmaster Flash, uh, you know, Mean Gene, Theodore, Africa Bambata, all these other DJs. And they would have their groups right so they would have the dj and then the mc group and so you get rap kind of developing out of like what the mc was doing you have the dj kind of being there you have 
um, b-boys and b-girls and the dance aspect being involved with it and then you have um, while all this is going on you have graffiti that's part of it as well and graffiti has been around way before hip-hop culture but you know a lot of the people who were doing these other things whether they were DJing or dancing or, or um, emceeing would also kind of do graffiti so they would dive into other yeah yeah elements. so they're like they don't know what they're they don't know that they're doing like elements of hip hop and they're not calling it hip hop at right. this time there's mm-hmm. just everyone's kind of doing this thing and there's a lot of crossover and how they treat it right so it's very much like creativity based and like style based and it's the individual but it's also the community and they're battling and there's all these different sort of like you know core things that are the same throughout these elements so you get into like the late 1970s and you have Africa Bambata who's got Universal Zulu Nation at this point and he's throwing all these parties and everyone's doing all these things and at this time so throughout the whole 1970s no one knows this is going on because no one's coming into these neighborhoods right there's no mm-hmm. journalists coming into these neighborhoods yeah. interviewing these kids because they're either too scared to go you know or they're just not welcome no one's trying to talk to them in general so you get into like the late 70s you know 80 81 and and Graffiti is now escaping sort of like these areas because art um, art critics and art patrons are kind of seeing what it is and they're bringing graffiti artists into like Manhattan to do these shows and the graffiti artists are bringing DJs and B-boys and B-girls and stuff with them. So now people are starting to come back and like come to these neighborhoods and see what's going on. So, so Bam becomes kind of the first person to not just like, you know... Uh, Keith Cowboy uh, Wiggins from Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five is sort of credited with the creating the term hip hop, saying like, "Oh, like we're, okay. we're hip hopping and hip," you know, mm. the term hip hop for kind of what they're doing is Cowboy's sort of contribution. <clears throat> but Bam is the one that sits down and says like, "Hip hop is this culture, and these are the four elements that we participate in." Right, DJing, you know, breaking, emceeing, graffiti, and he says that in a in a Village Voice article in 1981, and that sort of becomes like the solidifying of the culture, right? So then everything prior to that retroactive now gets called hip-hop, and they sort of have like a name and like a structure to the things that everyone's been doing for the last 10 years that they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no then, idea. right, and then from there it explodes, right? 81, 82, 83, you get rap music and all the things, and now it becomes this like global subculture and you know it's rap music's like making billions and billions of dollars for people all over the planet um and then the cultures continue to like evolve and and change you know like the the dj used to be the keystone of hip-hop culture and they no longer are right because record companies want the mcs they don't Mm -hmm. need the djs right um graffiti's still illegal you know and there's there's a huge like graffiti versus street art you know what is what is allowable what is not you know acceptable and then uh, even as dancers we face problems of like everybody wants what we do as b-boys and b-girls but also they're not always willing to pay us or or give us the same kind of like standing you know right. it's like ballet jazz tap modern like whatever these you know and then the, like breaking should be right there but oftentimes we're not and so there's still a bit of like a struggle to kind of claim that i think respect Mm-hmm. Um, from from like the industry, you know. For sure, for sure. I feel like we're the most out of all of them. I mean, other than I guess graffiti, we're the most like 
almost exploited kind of you know yeah they try to use us uh they don't want to know anything about the culture they just want to make money right right they just want the moves they just want the moves yeah i know that's what's funny is because like you mentioned like when you know people were asking like hey can you teach us how to do like these certain types of moves you know we, we've all been there where like yeah we can teach you moves but you're not gonna get it in one lesson like yeah. this stuff takes months and years to you know master your craft and master the moves it takes a lot of discipline and there's a lot of people that just don't really commit to it yep so yeah sure. it's so and that's the funny interesting thing about like hip-hop culture in general is did you get back to the like you know, they weren't doing it because they wanted to. I mean, they wanted to, but it's like, why would you... Like, breaking is so hard. Like, why would you do... Like, it's stupid. Like, if I had to sit <laughs> yeah, down and pick, right. like, a dance, right. like, there's no way in hell, like, why? It's the hard... It's like, hey, you want to spend 10 years just busting your ass and yeah. then have nobody care about it except those around you? Right. Like, you know, or, like, DJing <laughs> is so hard. It's like, hey, you're going to take these turntables and turn them into an instrument. You know, it's really easy to be like, well, why don't you just go get the instruments? And they couldn't, you know? Graffiti so hard, rapping is so hard. All the all the elements of hip hop culture are so hard that if you had another choice to do something else, like you totally would. But it sort of speaks to like how kind of like focused and not just like passionate and focused, but also like determined these kids were. I mean, kids like like under eighteen, you know, mm-hmm. twelve to seventeen year old kids, how focused and determined they were to create something for themselves that they had ownership of and that they could use to escape their circumstances and it it's like a testament to how like determined they were to create something that they created all these things or contributed to all these things um, that are now, you know, hugely, you know, popular and stuff. And we continue to have to kind of you know, have that struggle. I mean, there's been a lot of commentary on like breaking, breaking kind of being the purest hip hop element left kind of a thing. Cause you know, you, you have like DJing as like an art form has, has exploded and you can make, you know, there's like DJs who make millions of dollars a year. There are MCs who make millions of dollars a year. There are graffiti artists and street artists or however mm-hmm. you want to call them that make millions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet a B-boy or B-girl that is like, you know, pulling down seven figures on a regular basis. You know, there's definitely a bunch that aren't starving, but you know, you could count them probably on your hands how many how many b boys and b girls have made like millions of dollars over, you know, the last fifty years. So yeah. we're kind of one of the last elements where the they're the participants kind of do it because they really love it. Yeah, more so than 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 seeing it like as a career path. It's interesting, especially here in America. I mean, you go to places like Japan and, uh, you know, countries overseas, dance is like, dance is like sports there, Mm -hmm. as you know, so they, they have a lot more opportunity to make that more of a life career, right? Right. And I think there's a way, I think it's kind of looking at like how the U.S. approaches kind of like art and theater as well. So from what I understand, like if you... If you go to, you know, like in, in the U.S., like the film industry is huge, right? Like right. The, the, the film and entertainment industry is like a, a billion, billion, billion dollar industry. And that's where Americans like putting their money, right? We go mm-hmm. to movie theaters and we watch consumer entertainment that way. Um, if you go to other countries, a lot of times they put that money into theater because they don't have a film industry or an entertainment industry in that way. And so from what I understand, if you go to some place like like Europe, right? You're in France, Germany, Netherlands, like their theater um, 
economy is different. So you have different tiers of, of kind of like, and like you would have like Broadway here and then like off Broadway and then like crappy community theater and whatever. Like it's, it's tiered there in a way where, yeah, like if you wanted to be like a professional dancer, like say you, you break and you want to do a show is that you could, you could get some funding and some money to do a show at a lower level theater and kind of work your way up to Mm -hmm. higher in theater. And I think for, for dancers in other countries, that's more of a, a possibility than it is for us in the US. I think the way that the countries are also structured too as far as like their their culture is you look at countries like Japan or Russia or like South America right now is you have countries that are either very um they're very not conservative, they're a little more strict on things like self-expression and individuality. A lot of like the youth don't necessarily Mm -hmm. feel like they have the right to like voice their opinions or complain or be outspoken or have like their individual cultures. And even, even in some place like, like Japan, you know, that seems like very much like a, a Western type nation. It's not as like, you can't, you know, be as like overtly unique, you know, Americans can be whatever the hell they want and we're allowed to complain about everything, even (laughs) if it's like stupid, but we have the right to like, just be total assholes, you know, for whatever reason, because the country is structured that way. So because we have all these like freedoms, I guess it's really easy to not take advantage of them or to kind of take them for granted. Right. And you get other countries like, like I said, like Russia, Japan, South America, where you have, you know, very, very, um, like the the poverty level or the financial disparity is huge the class disparity is huge and then this sort of like freedom of speech disparity can be really huge and i feel like those places oftentimes take to hip-hop culture and respect it and appreciate it even more so than we do in the u.s now because we have so many other options of different things that we can be and do Mm -hmm. um that oftentimes we don't i don't think we appreciate it as much yeah for sure i totally agree um Cool. Um, so you own a business, right? It's called The Herc. Yes. Um, what what inspires you to open that and yeah. <laughs> kind of give your you life always, to yeah, that? Did you always want to be like a, the organizer, some guy that was just organizing everything? Um, no. I was at like 16-year-old <laughs> me, like, yeah, 16, 17-year-old me would be so pissed that like, 40 year old me became like a professional dancer like if you're like hey man you'd be a professional dancer i'd be like shit you went sideways somewhere right why couldn't i be a dj yeah right or mc or anything else like (laughs) making millions um, i don't know Uh, like i said a lot of the stuff that we have gotten into has either been like we talked about out of spite or it just has kind of like snowballed and it just has to happen at some point right so when we started doing battles, it was like, all right, we're doing these battles. And then we got the chance to become a nonprofit. And it was like, well, shit, if we want more money, you know, or if we want to exist and grow, then we got to do this thing. And so the Herc is kind of a natural extension of that, right? We're like, well, you know, we can't just stay at the Art Alliance forever, which is where we were before, which is fine. But it's mm-hmm. like, well, we can't stay here forever because we can't control the space you know the way we want so it's like we got to get a building at some point and then so so the herc was like hey well i guess we're gonna get a building you know now <laughs> yeah. that, right and and even that was like man i would love to think i bet like from the outside it may look like we sat down and really thought about it and like nah like we we like it was so hard to find a space at the time that the perk that we're in currently 
we were actually looking at a couple other spaces and mm-hmm. those spaces got taken. Like I went and looked at one and before I could get uh, Monkey and Josie like to go with me to look at it a second time, it was like gone. Wow. And so when we got a chance to look at the current Herc space, it was like more money than we wanted to spend. It like what, you know, but we were kind of like in a position of like, well, we kind of feel like we have to do it. You know, like it doesn't, you know, like our landlord's been really great uh, and he's helped us out a lot and we're really grateful, but it was also like, well, we just kind of have to do it. So we ended up taking over all this space and had no idea how to run it. Right. Absolutely no idea. It was like a huge disadvantage that we had is like everyone else had some kind of experience like running a building or like running a studio and running programs and we just like got this building and we're like, now what? And and I don't think we even, we didn't even do classes in it for like almost a year. It was just a build. We were just paying, you know, yeah. whatever, $4,000 a month to like practice like three days a week in it. It was kind of stupid. Crazy. It was stupid, so dumb. But we, you know, but we had to get it, and then you know, we were we were fortunate enough that we had like some like Udo was paying rent at the time. The Herc would be closed if they were not you know around and wanting to do that. South Salt Lake was we were getting we were on a really great contract with them to do after school programming. So all of that was basically just funding the Herc until we figured out what the hell we were going to do. And we made so many mistakes. We continue to make so many mistakes mm-hmm. on how to run it. And the learning curve has been so steep that I think the Herc is four years old now. And like this year is probably the first year that we felt like we have like a decent idea on like how to run it and make it work. Right. Um, you know, yeah. Whatever. What, what do you guys? So, <laughs> so you guys do dance classes, and right? And I know you guys do battles. What else do you do? Like, right. what, what do you offer? So right now, the Herc offers. We do uh, art programs for kids. So that can either be kind of like, sort of like graffiti or writing, writing basics, right? Like tagging and can control and and barring out letters and doing little pieces and stuff for kids. Um, We've done like some sticker design courses. We've done, um, Katie's doing like a shoe, a customizing shoes where we have a bunch of kids with their painting shoes. So we're trying to do more art programs that aren't necessarily like, like hip hop art, you know, kind of a thing, but they're trying to still stay in that vein of being very like, kind of like street culture focused type things, right? Um, We do some DJ courses as well for mainly adults um, where you get kind of like the basics of how to like mix and blend records and some scratching. And the idea is like to give like a solid foundation for someone who's trying to become a DJ and then saying, go do whatever with it. So, you know, we can do do dance, we can Mm -hmm. do art, we can do DJing. And then um, I would love to get into something like an MC program, but it's a lot of the stuff that we do, it's, it's, we don't know a lot of other people who have done programs similar. So we're trying to figure out how to make it work and find people and have this good balance of like, you know, really great instructors who can also work with kids and show up and be reliable and, you know, blend well with like the current staff. And it's a, you know, it's sometimes it's a tricky balance to try and strike, but the goal is to try and provide as much sort of like hip hop element, you know, influenced programs. Yeah. Um, doing like adult graffiti classes has been kind of a rough, a rough, like there's a lot of interest in it, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of like graffiti is a really interesting one because it's, if you're going to do it authentically, you kind of have to do it illegally. And so we, you know, but how do you as a, as a business or a nonprofit kind of tell people like, you know, like 
That is like, true. Hey, we're gonna go bombing for like our final our final <laughs> yeah. project, right? Like everybody meet at the Herc at midnight, you know. <laughs> we're all black. Yeah, all we're all black. black hoods, you know. Gloves. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna go, you know. <laughs> we're gonna go like catch tags like down State Street tonight. You know, we can't really do that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess we could, but it would be, um, you know, it's definitely a trickier thing to do. And the older the kids are, you know, the even harder harder it is to kind of push that. So we're trying to like have authentic programs you know, while still kind of like yeah. making it accessible for everyone too. Like just teaching, teaching how to do the tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, you want, you want to, to understand that. kind of where it's come from <laughs> and what it's, what it's basis are. I want people to respect it. You know, whether you go out and do any of it, whether you're going to break or DJ or whatever, I don't really care. As long as you can, can understand kind of where it's come from and respect kind of like that it is kind of like a serious thing and an important thing to understand the sort of culture and community around it. For sure. If you understand that, I don't care what you do with it outside yeah. of that. Keep it authentic. Yeah. Right? As authentic as you possibly can be. Um, dope. Well, I know you get, you're doing a battle on the 29th. Uh, do you want to just give it like a rough, like, or a quick... Yes. Overview of what's going on there. So, Battle on the 29th. It'll be a free event. It's in the back parking lot at the Herc. It'll be 2 to 8 p.m. Um, we have four vendors. So, we have Swish is like a thrift clothing vendor. Three Hive is a, is a record store down in Utah County that's coming up. Sticker Nook. And um, Katie uh, is going to go out and have like some of her custom shoes and stuff there. So, we'll have a food truck, hopefully, uh, <laughs> if we can figure it out. You know, DJ some live music. So, two to four, we'll do um, open paint walls in the back where we have some boards set up that people can come and paint on for free. And then, 4 p.m., we'll do prelims for kids one-on-one breaking. 5 p.m., prelims for adult one-on-one breaking. And then, just kind of hanging out and playing music and... Doing whatever. Masks optional since we're outside. We're going to try and, and do, you know, more stuff where anybody can come and kind of like, you know, have a normal, normal feeling event. So Normal event. Finally. It's been over a year. I've been going crazy. Yeah, I, I need some motivation. Yeah, I think uh, we all do. I, it's it's going to be super interesting to watch everybody. <laughs> I, I can't wait. It's going to be uh, probably a little bit of chaos, a little yeah, bit of yeah. surprise. It, it's going to be super interesting. You're going to definitely find out who's been practicing and who's not been practicing. That's for sure. Just watching everybody try to learn how to talk to people again, like face right. to face. Yeah. It's just going to be just, just so many face. awkward interactions. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Let's see. Well, um, sorry, I just wanted to get your, your little opinion on sure. something about the dance scene. Just been curious. Like, what do you think the dance scene here in Utah uh, needs or is like missing? Like, how can we make this better? Right. Like, because honestly, there's just like a lot less people than there was, you know, like 10 years ago. Like you guys were saying, like there's a bunch of people, like young kids, and now it's like right. everybody's kind of scattered. And... Um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say because it's my opinion, right? And what I think we need, I what I think, what I think happens a lot in the dance scene here is, is. There's not a million of everything, right? And the breaking scene is all, is very lucky because even though there's not a ton of us, you have like three, four, five separate, very distinct separate groups and entities that all approach breaking a different way. We all teach kids, and so that gives you that diversity, right? Mm-hmm. At least at least a small amount of it. So that's nice. And so the the sort of open style all style scene, I feel like doesn't really have that 
as much. And so the problem you kind of have is like you have like one person getting really good at one style at a time. Mm-hmm. And then that person becomes kind of God. And then below them, everyone's learning. And no one, there's not a lot of like upper level competition to try and like knock that person off or, or push, push that side of the community forward. And so you get people that are like, you know, dropping out of fifth grade to teach fourth grade is, is like the way it kind of feels, right? Is people who are like pretty good, but not amazing will turn around and start teaching. And then those kids can only get as good as that person, but that person doesn't get better. Right. So the level of the scene is like dropping progressively because you have someone who couldn't beat the top guy who's like second or third down the totem, right. Is now teaching. And then when you're teaching, it's really hard to practice and get better. Mm -hmm. So the scene is like progressively deteriorating because of that. And then you have like, um, just like we're not traveling enough. We're not, do- you know, there's like, there's always a fear. And I'm sure, Bobby, you felt this too, is like, we kind of think like, man, if, if I don't do this or if I don't focus on it, the community will die, right? So yeah. it's like, if I keep everything, like if all I do is train and travel. If we're all, um, like Ali, Ali trains constantly, he travels constantly. And it's great, and he's so good at such a high level, but he can't really teach. And so it's like if we're all Ali in that sense, does the scene die because no one's, like, putting anything back into it? Right. And I think that's true, but also right now the level of the scene is not where it needs to be to help anybody out. Mm-hmm. So to, to long story, to, get to I think what the scene needs is the people who are serious about it need to start focusing on themselves and traveling and getting better and bringing their level up because the better they get when they come back, they're more able to contribute. The breaking scene was lucky mm-hmm. because when when things started popping off, you know, and the Fed was happening and there was all these kids in the scene, everyone was lucky because the like Bobbies and the Chachos, me, Monkey, like Tanner, all of us had been dancing for so long at that point right. that a lot of us were like, cool, I'm totally fine teaching. We had traveled, we had done yeah. all this stuff, mm-hmm. so we were ready to transition. Someone like yourself, for example, who's, what are you, like seven, seven, eight years in? Six? Ten. Ten, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but even at this point, like, it's still beneficial for you to be going out and traveling right if you're stuck teaching mm-hmm. you know there's only a limit to what you can give back to like those kids right yeah and so you're at a point where you know it's way beneficial for you to just go and travel and have not just traveling but like trying to win it's like i'm gonna train to go to this thing and try to win that's what i think we need more of right now the scene will be fine it'll it'll mm-hmm. it'll keep itself running we need the the people that are committed to, to bring that level up raise the bar right because that level coming up will end up bringing everything up eventually I think that's where we're struggling at right now oh. we need more crews <laughs> yeah that's for sure yeah. Yeah. We've, we've absorbed yeah. like 90% for the yeah, record yeah, I've said BKC no like to a lot of people for the record <laughs> I've said no to a lot of people you're you're the one uh, you're like hostile just... hostile takeovering overing <laughs> all the companies right yeah, it's uh between BKZ and Body, you guys are like Amazon and Apple. Just <laughs> <laughs> you guys, just the two of you own everything. That's exactly. It. <laughs> That's funny. Well, dang. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, like if they want to take lessons from the Herc, or sure. Learn more about They Ram or whatever you're doing. How do they get a 
how do they get in touch with you? Uh, Instagram's the best, so you can find us. It's at 1520arts, so 1520arts, or at slcherc, so it's slc underscore h-e-r-c. Um, both of those on Instagram are the best way to get in touch with us because I Facebook sucks and we don't really use that too much anymore. We have it, but we don't use it. Nice. So. <laughs> Sweet. Cool, cool man. man. Well, hey, thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to come and chat with us, Sick. educate us. You, We always love having you, love yeah. talking to you. I always learn something new something. when I talk to you. Um, Thanks again for listening to Talk Kings. This is episode two. Episode two. Getting the ball going. Let's go.